So we're in uh, week four of a series called Foundations, where we're going through line by line something called the Apostles' Creed, written around 1,600, 1,700 years ago. It was a summary of the early teachings in the church. And uh, if you're looking in today, if you're new to Grace City, Ottawa, my name's Neville. Uh, I'm one of the teaching pastors here, and it's my privilege to open up the Bible today and speak to you from it, because the creed contains a summary of what's in the Bible, a summary of truth, but it isn't the Bible itself. Uh, We'll be going to the Bible each week to look at a passage of Scripture that supports the truth that's found in the Apostles' Creed. And so far, we've, we've looked at, I believe in God the Father, the fatherhood of God, the creator of heaven and earth. We've looked at the issue of God the creator. Uh, and then last week, we, we started to look at Jesus Christ, the three titles of Jesus, the fact that he's called the Christ. He's the only son of God, and he's the Lord, and what those meant for us. And today, we're simply moving on to the next lines in the creed. We're still talking about Jesus, but it says, Who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary? So to, the title of what I'm going to talk about today is, Why Believe in the Virgin Birth? Uh, we have to take this seriously because it's in, in the Apostles' Creed, so we, we, need, we need to look at it. And you've just heard, read to you Luke 1, 26 to 38, which is a summary of the angel appearing to Mary and uh, what happened in those verses. And, and we'll start to unpack those verses today and what it means for our lives today uh, in Ottawa in, uh, in 2020. What is the relevance of this? But as we go through this, I'm going to try and answer three questions. And the first question is this, is, is the virgin birth real? Uh, because the, this is a story that's tre- uh, treated with a lot of skepticism. Probably more so almost than a lot of other things I find in the Bible. It's like, you, I kind of believe in Jesus, but born to a virgin, a virgin birth. Now, that's just weird. That, that's, uh, no, come on, don't, 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 don't do that one with me. That's just a bit too strange. And uh, it's just ridiculous. And we're in 2020 now. That's just an old myth. And I want to talk about that for a few, few moments because um, the, we, we can have today, we can think, oh, it, an old story isn't uh, real. It's kind of old. And back then, they kind of believed stuff that we'd never believe today. Uh, and I want to challenge that assumption. It's like we, we've become wise today. We, we've got things like mobile phones, and uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that makes us wise, uh, and, and credit cards, and uh, we've, we've created the combustion engine, and now we've got wind turbines. We can get the power from the wind. It's amazing. We're, we're wise today. Back 2,000 years ago, they kind of believed anything. It's just a, it's just a myth. This is, no, no, no. This was weird 2,000 years ago. Trust me, this was weird. You can see it in the account in Matthew's Gospel. So we've looked at the one in, in, in Luke. In Matthew's Gospel, it says there that uh, Joseph was actually preparing to divorce or separate uh, from, from, from Mary. This was tough. This was weird. You, you could imagine the conversation, can't you? It's like uh, they're, they're betrothed. They're engaged to be married and they have to have this conversation. And Mary has to say to Joseph, Joseph, there's something you need to know. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm pregnant. I'm with a child. 
And you, Joseph would have been, what? What? What are you, what are you saying? How? What? 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 thinking this is nothing to do with me and Mary has to say well it's like this Joseph it's like um it's sort of well I'm not quite sure but I think it's the Holy Spirit and Joseph being very confused and possibly I think very upset going I, I don't think I believe you this is this is scandalous this is terrible what are you saying to me so much so that the account in Matthew tells us in Matthew 1 uh, that actually an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph to kind of say, Joseph, it's okay. <laughs> what Mary, uh, what, what she's saying to you, it's true. It, 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 this is God. This is real. An angel appears. So this wasn't easy 2,000 years ago. I've heard people say, well, you believe in the resurrection. Well, that was 2,000 years ago. It's fine. Yeah, they, they didn't believe in the dead rising 2,000 years ago. Jesus appears to the disciples after he is risen from the dead, and they're totally shocked. It's like, come on, God, this, is, this, this isn't easy back then. This is, this is tough. And it's like, can we, what, does the Bible really teach this stuff? I want to say it clearly does. I've heard people say, well, the Bible's not clear on it. Yes, it is clear on it. The passage we've read, which we'll come back to in a moment. Uh, in, in Matthew and Luke, it very clearly teaches the virgin birth. That, that Jesus is conceived by the Holy Spirit. This isn't the work of of two people this isn't the work of a man this is the holy spirit comes and is involved in this it's very clearly taught in in mark chapter 6 it's interesting jesus goes back to nazareth into the synagogue that the town's kind of suddenly whoa this is we know this this is this they, they refer to jesus in in matthew 6 as they have an unusual description given to jesus they kind of say is this not the carpenter is he not the carpenter, the son of Mary? It's a very strange way to refer to someone as the son of Mary. It just isn't what you'd normally say. It, it, it's a strong hint that even then there's something around Jesus and his birth that was very unusual. Isn't this Jesus? This is his hometown where he was born, Nazareth. It's the son of Mary. Ah, oh, okay, something strange here. And, and, and we can think, well... So we, we really shouldn't wonder about whether this is real because it's strange or miraculous because the God of the Bible, the one that we believe in, is a God of miracles. He created the heavens and the earth. We've already looked at it in this series. If God is who he says he is, who he's revealed to be in the Bible, this really shouldn't be too shocking for us. It's like, God, we don't. No, that's that's too that's too weird for God. That's too difficult. What, a virgin birth. It's not too difficult. We can't put God in a box and say this is what God is like. He, we we just can't do that. Who are we to say? Well, God wouldn't do that. I don't think He could do that. Yes, He could. If He can, if He can call the universe into being and create the heavens and the earth with a word, let there be light. He can cause this to happen. It's really not too hard for him. We, we, we mustn't get too sophisticated. We mustn't think, well, this is just a bit too weird. It's too difficult. It's too strange. No, no, no. The, the God, we must allow God to be God. And the Bible clearly teaches the virgin birth. So it, I, I believe it's real. We must hold on to the fact this is real. This isn't just a side thing that we're just not, let's not be sure about this. No, it's real. And I think there's, there's good evidence from Scripture to say, no, this is real. 
This is real. People were clearly referring to Jesus. They're saying he's the son of Mary. Not Joseph and Mary. It's, just it's an unusual thing to say. So something had happened that, that, that was out of the ordinary. My second question, so the first question is, is it real? I th- I, it is real, and we, we've got to say God can do anything he wants. The second thing is, the question I want to ask is, is it important? Does it matter? Because that's the other thing as a pastor I hear people say, well, don't go on about this because it doesn't, okay, okay, it, it, maybe it happened like this, but it doesn't really matter. So let's not go on about it too much. Let's just make this simple. Uh, I want to believe in Jesus. Uh, let's not talk about the virgin birth. Let's not talk about being conceived by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't really matter. It's not really a big deal. Uh, I want to challenge that because what we've got in the Apostles' Creed is quite a short summary of Christian doctrine. And there are many things that aren't in there. And the virgin birth is in there, and therefore it must have been important in the early church. It must have been considered as a very important doctrine of truth. And therefore, we've got to look at this. We've got to study it. We've got to, we've got to ask the question, if it's important, why is it important? What is it about this? And I'm convinced that this is crucial. And I want to get into this now. This, this is crucial. And I want to look at two things under this kind of heading of is it important. The first one would be um, the need for a new humanity. This is why it's important, because God is coming to deal with the failings of the human race. He's coming to provide for a new humanity. A human, but born from above. There's very significant things happening here that we would be wise to stop and look at and consider. God is starting a new humanity. In Luke chapter 3, um, verse, thir- verse 23 verse, verse through 38, just as Jesus is about to start his public ministries, he's directly after his baptism, uh, Luke gives a genealogy of Jesus. He kind of goes through Jesus and goes backwards, right back to Adam. And where it ends is very interesting. Okay, so the verse 38, you're expecting it to go back. It's kind of the son of Seth, the son of Adam. Okay, uh, and then the last phrase catches me out. It's surprising. Uh, It actually says, the son of Adam, the son of God. And so in Luke 3, the genealogy of Jesus ends with saying, Adam, the son of God. That's weird. Jesus is the son of God. Luke 3 is saying Adam is the son of God, which kind of makes sense because God created Adam. And it's like, oh, so Scripture is referring to Adam as the son of God. You see, God created, let me try and unpack this. God created humankind with a special relationship to know him and be known by him. It was the plan, it was the plan from God that as sons and daughters of Adam, we would flourish on the earth. Uh, There wouldn't be sorrow and pain and guilt and fear. We'd be in perfect relationship with God. And that's what early Genesis hints at. But Adam, who is our representative decided to be independent from God 
and in, in really to be his own God. And we've been living with the results of that ever since. That's the background to this. Adam, the son of God, God didn't intend it the way we see it is today, but Adam messed it up. <laughs> he decided he was going to be God himself. Messed it up. And now, in the verses that we read from Luke 1, that were read out to you, a very significant moment. 2,000 years ago, suddenly this virgin woman Mary is told, you will have the Son of God. The second Adam. Adam's referred to in genealogy of Jesus as the Son of God. Now Mary is told, you will have the Son of God. We see it in Luke 31, in the passage that was read out to us. It says this, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you, will call, you shall call his name Jesus. Verse 32, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Son of the Most High. Mary, the angel says, you are going to bear the Son of God in your womb and give birth to him. It's a very significant moment. See, Jesus, he, this is Jesus, he will be different in every way so to start a new humanity, to make up for the failings of Adam. He will come to mend the brokenness, to do what Adam didn't do and perfectly obey the Father in heaven. The second Adam, Jesus, has come to rescue and restore everything that's been lost. This is why the virgin birth is so significant. Hope you can begin to understand that. See, this is human but divine. To set the human race on a different direction. Hope suddenly arrives. Adam failed, and through Adam we fell. But all our failure gets put on Jesus Christ. God brings about the birth of a new Adam. You see, if you've accepted Jesus into your life, you are now a new person. The Bible's very clear. You're not a patched up person. It's not like you've got the same coat on, it's got old, and we've put some, God's put some patches on it. No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible is very clear. If you accept Jesus, the old has gone and the new has come. You are now new creations in Jesus Christ. This is the significance of what's happening here. Jesus comes to put things right. Whatever Adam got wrong to start a new humanity. And when you accept Jesus into your life, you step into this plan to restore humanity. You're now found in Jesus Christ. These are amazing truths. This is why the virgin birth is so significant. This is why we can't mess around with this. We can't say, well, maybe it happened. Maybe it really wasn't like that. Come on, that's, that's, that's too much to believe. No, no, God had to start again. 
See, it demonstrates that God alone can save. The whole point here, the whole point, the whole point of this story is that it's not the will of humankind. I just want to say, in case you haven't worked it out yet, uh, the story we're talking about, the passage that's been read out to you, the birth of Jesus, uh, there is no human man involved. We'll leave it there. But there's no human man involved in this. Uh, No person has taken the initiative on earth. Because we couldn't. Because we can't rescue ourselves from what's happened. It needs the intervention of God. And this is how he chooses to do it. See, no one in history has been able to fix our messed up relationships with God and one another. And we can't do it ourselves. So God has to intervene. So Jesus comes conceived of the Holy Spirit, born to a virgin, Mary. This is the significance of it. It demonstrates that this is a complete and total work of God. This is the mercy of God. This, is not, this doesn't involve the, the, the initiative of humans because it can't, because it wouldn't work. God alone can rescue through his son, Jesus Christ. Only God could have brought this solution. Nothing else would have worked. This is, why, this is why we must teach the virgin birth and why it's significant and why it's important. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying I understand everything about it. I'm not. The Bible says there's great mystery in godliness. And there were arguments down through the early centuries, and there still are. How can, how can Jesus be fully God and fully human? It's a mystery. But I'm clear that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Nothing else makes sense. For me to say, well, look, just stop being so radical about this, Neville. Don't, come on, just, just calm down. There's, a, there's, a, there's an explanation for this. It doesn't have to be like this. The more I study this, the more I understand the gospel, the more this is, a, oh, this is the only thing that makes sense. Because we couldn't fix this ourselves. We couldn't. It needs God to break in. That's what's happened. The genealogy of Jesus goes back to the son, goes back to Adam, who's the son of God. And then 2,000 years ago, this woman is told, Mary is told, you're now going to have the son of God. I guess we call it Mark II. New humanity, start again. This is the only way to rescue and restore what Adam's got wrong. There's no other way to do this. The the God-man, if I can put it like that, Jesus has come, conceived by the Holy Spirit, and he chooses to take on the shame and guilt that's on all of us. And at the cross, he takes it on himself. And it's interesting, I look at the language of the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit like brooded over the womb of Mary. And it's similar language to Genesis 1 of the Spirit hovering over the face of the waters at creation. It's like, it's like there's something being created again. There's a hovering of the Holy Spirit that's bringing forth something wonderful. This is a profound moment that we mustn't miss. And it's very important to who we are in God. Only God can do this. This is why it matters. This is why it's a work that it shows only God can save us 
through Jesus Christ. Humankind is not involved taking initiative with this because they, we can't. We can't sort these things out. We can't, we, can't get the, we can't get the way back to God ourselves. It took Jesus, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born to the Virgin Mary, to come and live and die on a cross and be raised again from the dead. It's the only way. This is the gospel. You might say, well, that's all very interesting, Neville. What does that really mean to my life today? And let me just finish with this. Let me apply it to our lives. Let's come right back to the passage. See, God's power is demonstrated in this passage that was read to us in Luke 1 to bring life and hope. It it speaks of empowerment to bring life and hope where there isn't any. Let's look at it. Verse 34 in Luke 1. And uh, Mary says to the angel, "Uh, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Good question. How will this be? And the angel answers her, verse 35, the angel answers her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And it's interesting. It, 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 interesting to compare it with Acts 1.8. So Luke writes his gospel about the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in the book of Acts, which in effect is Luke 2, it's kind of written by Luke as well. It's kind of the sequel that, that follows his gospel about the church. At the very beginning, in, in Acts 1.8, Jesus is coming and telling his disciples the plan for the future. And in Acts 1.8, he says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. It's very similar to the phrase in Luke 1.35. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You see, the Holy Spirit comes on us to give birth to spiritual life, to things in our lives that spring up. It's a similar phrase. The Holy Spirit comes on us to bring life. And we can bring life to others through the power of the Holy Spirit. And God chooses the most unlikely people. Who would have ever planned? He comes to this young woman called Mary. Most unlikely. We'd have never dreamt this plan up. And all through the Bible, that's the pattern we see. God comes to people who are saying, I can't do it. It's not possible. Mary says the same thing. How would this be? I'm a virgin. This is crazy. What do you mean? Can't be true. What are you saying? And it's repeated again and again. And if that's you today, if you're thinking, I can't do what I think God's called me to do. I can't live this. It's too hard. It's too difficult. You're in a, you're in a good place. That's okay. The Bible's full of people like that. Mary's asking the question, how can this be? Acts 1.8 says, the Holy Spirit will come on you with power and he'll do a work in your lives. What you say to others, the emails you write, the messages you send on your phone, the encouragements you make online, the things you do, the way you pray, the Holy Spirit brings power through you. Don't worry about it if things seem impossible. How can I bring life to anything? You can, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'll finish. The last thing I see here is, so, so, yeah, so so it's trusting faith. is the way that Mary trusts God. It's how it applies into our lives today. See, this story, I think, tells us something about remarkable trusting faith. If you look at Mary's words in verse 38, at the very end of the passage we read, it said, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. 
Let it be according to your word. And this is kind of a famous Advent story. And after you see these words on Christmas cards and it's kind of seen at Christmas, it's kind of fun, it's kind of nice, it's kind of sweet, it's pleasant. Uh, We mustn't forget the reality of this situation. Let it be according to your will. Sounds a nice, easy thing to say. It wasn't easy for Mary here. This is serious for her. The implications of what's being said to her uh, can mean uh, she's going to be despised, she's going to be shamed, potentially outcast. This is outrageous. It's outrageous. And she goes, well, yeah, okay. Okay, Lord, uh, let it be according to your will. Let it be according to your will. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I trust you. That's really what Mary's saying here. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't understand this completely, but I trust you. How did she do that? And maybe that's you today. And you can say, well, Neville, this has got no relevance. This, isn't, this is Mary. An angel's appeared to her. This has got no relevance to me. Well, I think one of the things that helps her through is this. How does it start? Verse 28, the angel appears. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. This is how it starts. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. And I think she must have allowed this somehow to dominate through her fear and uncertainty. She hung on to it. And you can say, well, that's all right. Of course she's favored. Of course she's favored. The, 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 the angels appeared. She's going to bear the Son of God. I would just say to you, if you've received Jesus into your life, you are highly favored. You hear today, as you're listening to this, you, you need to hear, O oh, favored one over you. You've received Jesus. The Bible says you're hidden in Christ now. John the Apostle writes in, in 1 John, he, he says, what type of love have we got here that we should be called the children of God? For that's what we are. What love is this? What favor is on those of us that have accepted Jesus? So favored one, we are favored. Right now you might think, well, this just feels too difficult. I can't press through with what I think's in front of me. This life is too difficult right now. There's some challenges. You don't know how big the challenges are. I just ask you to have faith in the one who says, Oh, favored one in Jesus. You have an advocate. You have one in heaven who ever lives to intercede for you before the Father. You are now hidden in Christ. You can never be separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus. It says it in Romans 8. Never, nothing can in the whole universe separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You are highly favored. You are deeply loved. You, you are called now a child of God. Let it sink into your spirit today. If you're facing things, I can't. Can I trust you, God? Can I believe you for this? Maybe you need to say, let it be according to your word, Lord. Okay. I just trust you. I just trust you. So I want to say to you, have faith today for that God can bring to life things through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you just need to trust him simply today for things, something you're facing. You think, I can't get through this. I don't know the answer. I can't quite see the answer. God says, oh, favored one. He asks you to say, as Mary said, let it, let it be, Lord, I trust you. Let it be according to your word. Do that and see God work through you. See his peace come on you. Will you trust him today? What have you got to trust him for? Maybe there's some things. Just urge you. Maybe you need to pray with someone about it. Maybe you feel overwhelmed. Just urge you, pray. Come and talk to someone about it. Amen.